Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. We'll be bringing you the latest on Thomas Partey's injury. We'll be reacting to Arsenal 3, Manchester United 1. More fallout from that incredible game at the Emirates Stadium yesterday. And we'll be talking about the growing influence of Declan Rice. All of that on this edition of the show. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you're good. Hope you are well. It is a scorcher here in London, I have to say. I'm like sweating sitting by my desk. This is crazy. Um, It is so baking hot. It's beautiful. I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm not going to complain about it, but it is uh, pretty warm here, as I say, in North London. And things were pretty hot at Emirates Stadium yesterday, particularly during that period of stoppage time. I hope you've all calmed down. I hope you've all recovered. I'm sure many of you have watched videos of what went on at Emirates Stadium uh, yesterday over and over again uh, since that game drew to its conclusion. Uh, We're going to be continuing to react to what was a wonderful afternoon slash evening in the end at the Arsenal. Uh, We'll continue to bring you fallout from that game. We'll also be bringing you the latest on Thomas Partey, who, of course, sustained an injury in training in the lead up to this game and we think is going to be unavailable for quite a period of time now. We'll get into that. Uh, We'll bring you up to speed with the reports around that. And of course, as I said in the intro, we'll be discussing the growing influence of Arsenal's £100 million man. Declan Rice just seems to get better and better with each passing week, doesn't he? Uh, We're going to talk about all of that, as I say, on this edition of the podcast. Hope you're all good. Hope you are all well. Big hello uh, to Tom in the chat who says, good afternoon, Harry and chat. You're well. Uh, Yes, I am. He says, I'm still buzzing from yesterday. Me too. Um, Andy Jackson, not happy uh, with the Thomas Partey news. Uh, What else have we got in the chat? We've got uh, across the pond Moss with us. Uh, John Walker joins us. He says, welcome back, Harry. I've missed you. Supporter for 77 years since seeing us beat Grimsby in 1946. Wow. Wow. Um, Russ says, I must have watched Injury Time from yesterday about 100 times. Pavel is with us. We've got Christoph. We've got Amira. Uh, we've got Tom, who says, uh, Harry, great video. Uh, I still haven't recovered my voice from yesterday. Glorious scenes in our pub in Tampa. I'm sure those kind of scenes uh, were going off everywhere where there was an Arsenal interest. They're amazing, though. Um, it, I love it when I hear about sort of 
communities of Arsenal fans in other parts of the world kind of getting together to watch games and celebrating those incredible moments uh, together. Uh, Christoph says, um, welcome back, Harry. Hope you're well and feeling refreshed. I am definitely well. Um, to say I'm feeling refreshed would be a bit of a lie just because I came back and went straight into work and it was probably the most hectic weekend I've had of work in, I don't know, the last year or so. So it was quite difficult to get back into routine, but I'm getting there. I certainly felt a lot better uh, today. Thank you. Uh, we got Brian who says hotter than Crete. I don't think it's hotter than Crete, but it's bloody hot by London standards. And you know what the problem is? When I'm out at work all day and I leave my man cave, which is here where I record my podcasts, locked up, closed, it gets really, really hot in here. And then when you open that door for the first time on a day like this and you walk in, it's literally like walking into a sauna. What I should have done was come down here a little bit earlier and air it out. Um, Lenora says, Partey's always injured. We're going to get into that uh, in a little bit. Mafia Boss says, after re-watching the game, we vividly deserved to win that game. Uh, we'll also um, talk a, a little bit more about sort of the overall performance from Arsenal yesterday. I know I said on the reaction show that it wasn't great, but I felt that we did enough to win the game. I stick by that. I still think we did enough to win the match. And I've had sort of conversations with Manchester United supporters today. Uh, I was on the 90 Min show with my colleague, Scott Saunders, who's a big Man United fan. He wasn't too happy um, with the outcome of the game, obviously. I think he was more upset, actually, about the kind of Jaden Sancho situation that's developed off of the back of that and how it kind of shows Manchester United as being a bit of a circus of a football club at this moment in time. And I can understand that. But when we broke it down, I, I still do believe that Arsenal were worthy winners yesterday. Now, a few of you have been asking me, because um, I remember when we got that late goal against uh, Nottingham Forest, and I showed you guys a clip from the commentary that I did and sort of me basically screaming at the top of my voice like a child um, and going to new levels of high that I didn't even think were capable. Some of you have asked me uh, for some commentary uh, from yesterday's game, which I've managed to get a hold of from the system. Um, somebody commented on the video that I put on Twitter yesterday where you can hear me commentating ever so quietly in the background. And the reason you can hear me is because I'm doing the game on the radio, right? I've got my headset on. I've got my microphone in one hand and I had the phone in the other. So you can kind of vividly hear me. Um, but I'm going to let you all in uh, on my reactions at the time. Uh, bear in mind, I have to try and stay somewhat professional. Um, but this was the commentary from the first three goals. So the Rashford one, the Odegaard one, the Rice one. Um, and then I'm going to show you the third one synced up with the video, um, which somebody way more techie than me helped me sort today um, for the Jesus goal. So here is the first three goals. Enjoy. Uh, let me know what you think in the comments. Force the turnover. But Havertz, his ball in field is a loose one. Ericsson will pounce on it and he plays a ball in behind Ben White for Rashford, who's just inside the Arsenal box. Rashford cuts inside onto the right foot and scores for Manchester United. 26 minutes gone and Marcus Rashford, who enjoys this fixture every time he plays in it, finds the back of the net. Ramsdale got a hand to it, but he couldn't prevent it going in. It clips off the inside of the post and Manchester United have taken the lead. Lovely flick around the corner from Martinelli to Zinchenko. Rolls it infield to Enketia. Into the feed of Martinelli. Cuts it back to Odegaard on the edge of the box. Who equalises for Arsenal? An instant response. And it's the Arsenal captain on 28 minutes who levels the score. 
Manchester United weren't even in front for a minute. A brilliant Arsenal move down the left-hand side involving Zinchenko, Martinelli and then eventually Martin Odegaard who took up position on the edge of the box and rifled it into the bottom right-hand corner to level the score immediately. Arsenal 1, Manchester United 1. Enjoyed that. Ball in. Rice puts it down this, on though. his chest, strikes towards goal, and it's deflected in! And it's Declan Rice with his first Arsenal goal! What a time to get in for Declan Rice! Arsenal have found what's surely going to be the winner! Declan Rice with the goal from the angle, and Arna couldn't keep it out, and Emirates Stadium erupt! Get something on that, and Arsenal forced the turnover. <laughs> Oh man! Um, if you wondered why my throat was a, a little bit um, was a little bit gone uh, when I did the post-match podcast yesterday, that's why. Um, so that was up to uh, the rice goal, uh, and then, as I say, I was able to sync the Jesus commentary with the video that I posted yesterday. Uh, so I'll just show you that one now as well. If you're watching us on the video, make sure you leave a like for this because uh, a good friend of mine spent some time today. Uh, figuring this out and fixing it up for me for you guys basically uh, on the podcast so uh, make sure you leave a like for this check it out first clearance Nelson's touch helps it out to the left-hand side for Vieira who'll play it through to Gabriel Jesus who's in here for Arsenal Gabriel Jesus to finish it off oh what a way to do it Gabriel Jesus seals the points for Arsenal he's back and he's back with a bang Arsenal 3, Manchester United 1. What I love most about that video is, is watching Mikel Arteta in the foreground. Like, just watching him go absolutely mad is my favourite part of that video. Um, thank you for all your nice comments uh, in the chat box. Um, <laughs> that was a good one. Hold on, where is it? Uh, Ron Stone says, uh, Harry, you went into a great falsetto. I didn't even know my voice could go that far, uh, that way. Um, I can tell you my throat was killing me this morning when I woke up because I did that, did some work when I got home, uh, did obviously the podcast as well. And today when I had to speak for most of the day, it was quite difficult. Um, yeah, you can, you can certainly feel it, but anyway, uh, <laughs> Richie Tuff says, to be honest, my two girls told me off for screaming my head off. Um, Salah Hadeen says that that is definitely not Harry. It is. It is me. Um, it is. <laughs> uh, thanks to Jason uh, as well, who says, well, hey, come on, Arsenal. Plus, congrats on the TalkSport show. Thank you for that, mate. Um, so for those of you that don't know, I will be hosting the TalkSport 2 social every Friday uh, moving forward. Um, so there'll be plenty of Arsenal chat on there uh, for you guys to tune into. And I'll be joined by a guest each week and we'll be breaking down all the uh, new all the biggest and uh, latest football stories. Junior says uh, you need some Jamaican rum and honey for that throat, Harry. Yep, big time. Right. Anyway, let's get into the stories that we're going to be discussing today. Let's start off uh, with the Thomas Partey stuff because, of course, um, Arsenal. I, th I thought were deliberately vague yesterday on the whole Thomas Partey subject. Um, there was a lot of. There was a lot of sort of speculation doing the rounds prior to the match about the severity of Thomas Partey's injury. You know, some people were saying that he was going to be out for a couple of weeks. 
Mikel Arteta pre-game yesterday said a couple of weeks and then post-match said it's not looking good, which makes me think that actually Arsenal were already well aware of the extent of Thomas Partey's injury because from what we understand, it wasn't sustained the day before the Manchester United game, but the day before that, which means they probably had time to scan it and figure out the extent of the damage, what the problem was, and come up with some kind of um, estimate as to how long he was going to be out for. I understand why Arsenal didn't want that news out straight away, um, why they kept it quiet. I don't think they would have said anything up until that point had the Ghanaian FA not done what they done, which was obviously put out a piece on their website in which they were explaining that they were informed by Arsenal Football Club that Thomas Partey would be unavailable. But according to Sammy Mockbell of the Daily Mail, Arsenal are hoping to have midfielder Thomas Partey back after the October international break. Uh, he's set to miss at least six weeks with what is described as a groin slash thigh injury. Six weeks is a long time. And, you know, we always talked about the need for strength in depth. And we always talked about the fact that whenever we lost Thomas Partey, we would just unravel as a force. And that it was a big old problem for us and a big old issue for us. And I guess that was part of the reason why we went and spent what we spent on Declan Rice. You know, obviously Rice is a great player and we wanted him regardless. But I think, you know, that signing was made with the at least thought in mind of the fact that, yeah, Thomas Partey can't be relied upon, unfortunately, to stay fit week in, week out. We can't be in that position where it's Thomas Partey or bust. And having Declan Rice certainly helps us to cope with this. It certainly helps us to get through what will be a difficult period without Thomas Partey because of how influential he is, because of what great player he is. You know, there's there's no question about that, but it's still a big blow and it's still a big miss. And to lose him for six weeks based on something that he picked up in training is really, really frustrating. I guess that means he'll miss the October international break as well. If if Sammy Mockbell says we're expected to have him back after that, that suggests he misses that as well. And I would have said, well, great. He misses two international breaks, potential games in which he could get injured, but he's already bloody injured, which is annoying and frustrating and disappointing. But listen, it is what it is. You can't do anything about that now. You know, we're, we're in a better position to cope with it, as I say, for signing Declan Rice. We've got Jorginho within the ranks. Um, we've got, uh, you know, the likes of Zinchenko who can come in field. I mean, worst case scenario, you could put somebody else. You could put Tommy Asu at left back and put Zinchenko in midfield alongside Rice if you desperately needed to. You know, you've got Fabio Vieira as an option. Kai Havertz is seen as an option by Mikel Arteta, although I think a lot of us can agree that he's not necessarily the solution in that midfield position. And I'm talking about the more advanced one, obviously. I'm not talking about him as playing as a six. But you know what I mean? There are options. And, and I guess I said it yesterday, in a way, the fact that Thomas Partey picked up that injury, I think it took away all the temptation that may have been there on Mikel Arteta's part to play him at right back. So, you know, I'm not saying it's a blessing in disguise. It's not. He's one of our best players and you want to have him uh, fit and available as much as possible. But yeah, um, we're going to be without him and it looks like it's going to be a six or so week period. Now, hopefully that's an overestimation. And we'll get him back sooner than that. Um, but it looks like, you know, worst case, we're going to be without our Ghanaian midfielder for six weeks, which is obviously a blow. Whatever way you package it, 
whatever way you look at it. Because I still believe that Arsenal's best midfield is Rice, Partey and Odegaard. I've said that repeatedly over the course of the summer. I'm saying it again now. I really do believe that that is Arsenal's um, best midfield. So to be without him is is clearly a, a blow. No doubt about that. Um, what have we got in the chat? Um, Moss says, groin to thigh sounds like the hip flexor or a ductor problem. I, I I wouldn't be able to confirm or deny that. I've I've got no idea. You, you're seemingly much more of a scientist than I am. Uh, he seems to keep getting those types of injuries. Um, Ron says, how does this part-timer become injured out of the blue all the time? Don't need part-timers in the squad. I think that's a bit harsh. Like, it's not like Thomas Partey purposely picks up injuries. I think he has maybe struggled to adapt to what the Premier League is in comparison to La Liga. I know people always point to his injury record at Atletico and they go, well, he was never injured for them. And I get that. But, you know, it's a very different league. It's played at a very different intensity. His instructions are very different. I don't think he was required to be as mobile in uh, at Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid side. It was more about um, sitting in a position rather than covering ground, rather than exerting himself physically and all the rest of it. But there's no doubt he's a big player for us and it's a big miss. Uh, Ray Beam says, um, Partey is made of string and balsa wood held together with blue tack. <laughs> Evan says, with Vieira looking in, former Jorginho still in the squad, we have options, nothing to stress about. Yeah, I think we can get by, um, but it's it's not ideal, is it? It is a blow. Um, Richie says, uh, it's not a great loss. Fingers crossed, Rice doesn't get injured. Yeah, that would be a big problem for us if we were to lose him uh, as well. Okay, um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Declan Rice as we're on the subject of Declan Rice. Before I do that, I'm just going to take a really, really short pause during which you'll be able to leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. It is a shorter version of the podcast today. I uh, just wanted to bring you up to speed with the Thomas Partey news, uh, share some of those clips, of course. Uh, from the game yesterday. And we'll talk a little bit about Arsenal's performance in general yesterday and the kind of feeling the following day before we wrap up here as well. But leave a like, subscribe, all the rest of it. We'll be back in a sec to talk about Declan Rice's growing influence on this Arsenal side. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna. OK, um, Declan Rice got that big, big goal for Arsenal yesterday in the, what, 96th minute? and sent the stadium into pandemonium. That's the only way I can describe it. Unbelievable atmosphere um, throughout the game, I thought. But when that goal went in, the place just went wild. I think there was probably a few people in the ground at the time that felt that maybe there was a foul by Gabriel on Johnny Evans. Um, I certainly didn't think it in real time. I thought it when I saw the first replay, but then the more I looked into it, the closer I saw, uh, the, the more I thought that, no, there's no issue here and there's very little chance of anybody in the VAR room intervening. But I do feel like at the beginning, the celebration was a little bit reserved around the Declan Rice goal from at least the people around me. I looked over to my left and the North Bank had erupted and popped off, which you'd expect uh, from that section of the stadium. But... I mean, what a moment to to kind of step up and get your first Arsenal goal. You know, what a moment to do it in against the old rival, against the bitter rival in a game that was so finely balanced. That's what you pay £100 million for, 
to sign players that can come in and can influence your side in the big moments and can influence the outcome of football matches. And Declan Rice did exactly that. But not only did he contribute in the attacking third, I thought he did a wonderful, wonderful job of patrolling that midfield and dominating that midfield, given that he had Odegaard, who is a more offensive player to his right, and that, of course, he had um, Kai Havertz for most of the game playing to his left. Two really offensive-minded players, two players that aren't particularly disciplined in terms of their positioning. They will go off. That's what they're asked to do. That's what they're tasked to do. Um, but to be able to hold the midfield as well as he did, I, I thought was a, a real testament to what a player he is. Um, it gave us yet another glimpse of how many levels this guy still has to go up because I think gradually, week by week, he's got better and better in an Arsenal shirt. This, for me, was his best performance of the lot. The Crystal Palace one was was great. But having watched the game again today and, and having reviewed it in a lot more detail um, since the post-match podcast, I think that Declan Rice was really Arsenal's standout man overall, not just in the sense of he got the goal, but talking about his sort of wider performance. OK, he had Alexander Zinchenko coming into midfield from left back to help him out and support him. But that was more so in possession rather than out of it. And what I was really looking at when I watched the game back was how Declan Rice worked off the ball, out of possession. Because there were times where I said that Arsenal were a little bit more disciplined in their press and that the press was not as frequent as we normally see it. But there were times when the the other five would press, where Saka, Martinelli would push up on the flanks, where Odegaard and Havertz would drive forward. And obviously the centre forward was in a more advanced position. And I'd look at Declan Rice and I'd think, my God, you are controlling that entire midfield space by yourself. And yes, when we press with the forward lines, Inchenko does tend to come in field that little bit earlier to get closer to Declan Rice and support him. But it's still a hell of a lot of ground to cover. It's a lot of space to be responsible for on a football pitch on your lonesome. And he did such a marvellous job of that. And that facilitates and enables us to play in the way that we want to play. Even when Thomas Partey's fit and available, and, you know, we know that he's got injury issues. We know that he's broken down frequently. Um, you know, you just look at someone like Declan Rice and you think he is probably better suited even than Thomas Partey, um, you know, to, to covering wider areas and bigger spaces. Now, I'm always torn with Rice because I think he can influence the games in the attacking third as well. I think we started to see the best of Rice at West Ham when, David Moyes took the shackles off him a little bit. And I think that coincided with the arrival of Thomas Suchek, who was willing to sit that little bit deeper. Yes, he'd get forward and contribute to Suchek from set pieces, but generally his position was deep. And that allowed Rice to then kind of have the shackles taken off and drive into more advanced areas and start to impact games more in the attacking third as well. So I want to see that side of Rice too. But when you're playing Kai Havertz and Martin Odegaard, you need someone who is capable of bearing that responsibility of, of that central area in midfield by himself. And there aren't many players in world football that can do that. Declan Rice is one of them. And that's why Arsenal were willing to, to get the checkbook out and sign off a check for a hundred million pounds plus for this guy, because he is that damn good. But the point I'm trying to make is I'm still in the place with Declan Rice, although I think his influence is growing. The goal was obviously massive. He seems to have an infectious personality as well, which I really, really like um, and all the rest of it. But I'm still in this place with Declan Rice where I don't really know what his best role is 
And I guess when we're talking about flexibility and Mikel Arteta's talked about the need to be unpredictable and the fact that, you know, he travels to work in 50 different ways and takes 40 odd different routes and the Arsenal play 43 formations in a single game. You start to think that actually maybe we don't need to sort of box Declan Rice in one particular role and one particular position. Actually, what he has gives us the ability to be flexible and play in different ways, which makes us unpredictable and makes us effective, hopefully, um, in a variety of games and in different ways and, and allows us to carry out different and alternative game plans. So, yeah, I just wanted to highlight sort of Declan Rice's work off the ball because everyone will talk about the goal and rightly so. It was a big moment. It was a great moment. But just, you know, looking at him again, having watched the game back and looking at the area of grass that he was responsible for and how well he did in terms of patrolling that given uh, what the ask was and given the quality he was up against as well. I know people talk about United's midfield being unbalanced, but you don't want to leave Christian Eriksen on the ball in space. We saw that for the first goal. You don't want to leave Bruno Fernandes in space. You know, Casemiro, for, for whatever people think about him, multiple time Champions League winner. For Declan Rice to kind of manage to keep a lid on those three pretty much at times by himself with a little bit of help from Zinchenko tucking in with Kai Havertz and Odegaard trying to support defensively, but whose primary objectives and and remit was to get forward. I think Rice deserves so much credit. And as I say, his influence is growing week by week in this Arsenal team. And I'm absolutely loving uh, seeing that take shape. Just a quick update as well. I wanted to bring you guys an update on uh, Arsenal's Carabao Cup fixture against Brentford, 27th of September, Wednesday night, uh, 7.45pm kickoff at the GTEC. We've just had uh, confirmation of that. That has just come through uh, just before we went live. So uh, stick that one in your diaries. Um, in terms of our performance overall yesterday, as I said a little bit earlier on in the show, no real differences in terms of how I saw it when I watched it back the second time. But I do think, although people were looking at the game as very cagey and very close, I do think when you watch it back and then you go through the metrics and you break it all down and you look at possession and you look at the areas in which Arsenal had the ball and for how long they had it in Manchester United's half and all the rest of it, like the, the real deep stats, I think you'll come to the conclusion that Arsenal definitely deserve to win the game. And I know from sort of scrolling through social media, there was a lot of Arsenal fans that were maybe... Not quite sure that we deserved what we got in the end in terms of the balance of play. But I think having watched it back um, in great detail and having paused it to kind of work things out and look at certain things and then having studied the metrics with a fine tooth comb, actually, I think we were good value uh, for the three points in the end. And I'm delighted that we were able uh, to pick them up. But anyway... I'm going to leave it there. As I said, it is just a short episode of the podcast. Wanted to bring you up to speed with the Thomas Partey news. He is going to be out for around about six weeks uh, with a groin slash thigh injury, according to Sammy Mockbell of the Daily Mail. Um, we'll do questions tomorrow. Uh, get some questions in um, in the comment section after this video ends. We've got a members uh, episode dropping tomorrow as well, uh, which I'll give you information on then. Uh, so that'll be coming out to you uh, ASAP. Um, Tuesday is my work from home day. So I plan to bang out uh, a couple of members episodes actually that I can release to you guys uh, over the next few days. Uh, and of course, um, like this video, subscribe to this video, uh, subscribe to this channel. You don't need to subscribe to the video, but you know what I mean. Uh, if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review as well. Thomas Partey out for a little while. Um, 
at least a couple of those weeks are international break weeks, which is, I guess, a positive if you wanted some silver lining in this. Uh, we've discussed the growing influence of Declan Rice, who Brian says was everywhere. Absolutely. And I will see you all uh, tomorrow with more. Until then, take care of yourselves, guys. All the best. Goodbye and up the Arsenal. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.